Good morning, everyone. I forgot to do this at the last Mass. <clears throat> if you've been um, traveling or um, not going to Mass because you're a big sinner, just kidding, kind of, <laughs> kind of kidding. Uh, but if you missed it, this is our new deacon, Deacon Daryl Nepple. Uh, he's uh, newly ordained, and he's been assigned to Our Lady of Lords. Um, and just a great joy to have him with us. You'll see him uh, here at Masses. He'll be preaching and helping with all kinds of things here at the parish. So we're thrilled to have Deacon Nepple here, uh, someone who I'm very close to. So joy to have him here. Today, what we want to reflect on, uh, because of our gospel, I really want to enter into a reflection with you about rest. So today, Jesus in Matthew 11, we're at the end of Matthew chapter 11, right? And Jesus says, come to me, all you who labor and are burdened, and I will give you rest. This is going to be a hugely important theme. It's something that the more I've studied it in my life, it really changed my life, uh, we want to dive into that theme of rest. Now, one thing I just want to point out is that in the Bible, when you read it, the um, chapter divisions are a later insertion. When Matthew wrote his gospel, he didn't write chapters. We put those into the Bible in the Middle Ages to help find things. But what's interesting is you can tell this is a big, important theme because right after today's gospel, the first half or so of chapter 12 is all about Sabbath controversies. And it's all about Jesus and the Sabbath day of rest. And so, brothers and sisters, what Matthew's telling us, and what he assumes, in fact, is that a Jewish person, when they hear the word rest, they think of that day called Sabbath. And Jesus says, I will give you rest. So I want you to think about this for a minute. Isn't rest the best thing ever? Right, after a long day when you're tired, if you've had like a, a busy day at work or maybe the kids are chasing you around the house or I don't know, whatever's going on, there's just like nothing like your bed. When I was in seminary, so um, a friend of mine, Father Greg Peterson, and another priest, Father Peter Mustard, also a friend, they developed a hierarchy of naps. And they had like, like naps, like simplex naps were, were like 10-minute naps. And that's when you'd go in and your clothes were on and you were on top of the covers. That's like a simple nap. And they worked it all the way up to what they called the pontifical high nap, which was, they really did, I'm not kidding. And the pontifical high nap was you've gotten into your PJs, shades are drawn, lights are out under the covers, right? And we've all felt that way. For me, you know, after a hard day sometimes, you crawl into your bed and you're like, I love you, bed. I love you, right? I'll never, ever sleep on anything else, just you. <laughs> rest is so important. But here's the key today that we want to dive into is that Jesus, later on in that same passage, end of Matthew 11, Jesus says, come to me, all you who uh, labor and are burdened, for I will, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, for I am meek and humble of heart. And here's the key. You will find rest for yourselves. 
But of course, coming to Lourdes, you know this theme. That's not what the Greek says. It does. You can translate itself. But Jesus in the Greek, he says, you will find rest for your suhain, which is the Greek word for soul. You can translate itself. It frequently is in Greek literature. It frequently means that. Here I would argue very strongly, suhe in this context means soul. So we all get physical rest. We understand that concept. But did you know there is such a thing as rest for your soul? And that's what I want to talk about today. So beautiful, so powerful. So, <clears throat> remember that like terrible 80s song, Everybody's Working for the Weekend? Remember that one? I know you all do. Don't pretend like you don't. Uh, it's kind of true, right? In our world, everybody is so ramped up for the weekend. And you kind of like, you mark the days of your life by how long until I'm not working. Here's an interesting fact I bet you didn't know. The ancient world knew nothing about a weekend. In fact, the ancient world, the world of the Old Testament, does not know anything of a day off that happens every week. There was one culture in the world that had a day off, and they were famous for it. It's the Jews. Aren't you glad that God broke into the Jewish people <laughs> to give us that? But literally, brothers and sisters, the Saturday and Sunday being days of rest comes into the world through Judaism and Christianity. And the world today is becoming less Christian. And one of the signs and markers of that is that people are starting to work again on Sundays. This should be alarming to us. And today, by I hope by the end of this sermon, you'll see why that's such a dangerous thing. In the book of Exodus, you all know the story, but in Exodus 3, God calls Moses and he sends... Moses and Aaron, to go to Pharaoh. And who can tell me, what did they ask Pharaoh for? For what? No, not food. Set his people free. That's what most people say. Totally wrong. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> they go, they, that's right. To go into the desert for three days to worship God. And Pharaoh says, you're lazy. And that's why you're asking for these three days. And so he denies it, and then he says, you're lazy. And so not only are you not going to be allowed to go, you're going to produce the same amount of work, but I'm not going to give you straw to produce bricks. Right? You're lazy. You need more work. Now, here's the fascinating thing. After that, when Pharaoh rejects the request, you're going to get the ten plagues. And a very close reading, and certain scholars argue this, and I'm with them, the plagues happen every seven days, which is a sign that the plagues come every Sabbath. 
Here's why. Sabbath, brothers and sisters, is not about physical rest. It is about that. But it's about something so much deeper. It's about something so much more. It's about right worship of God. That's what it's about. And so God is punishing Pharaoh on the Sabbath as a sign of his disobedience to allow his people to worship and rest on the Sabbath day. You might think, wow, that's really interesting. I'm glad we're not like that. And it's not true. The first point I want you to think about today, brothers and sisters, here's why you and I have a Sabbath. Here's why Jesus Christ, right? The Jews worship on Saturday because of two reasons. The first reason is in Genesis 1, God creates the world. He rests on the seventh day. The second reason, and go home today, look it up if you don't believe me. Look it up anyways. Go to Exodus chapter 5, where the Ten Commandments are. And when you read Exodus 5, Moses will tell you, God through Moses, that when the Jews observe Sabbath, they are to remember that they were slaves in Egypt and God ransomed them. And so the Sabbath becomes a day where you and I remember that we are not slaves. Key. In the New Testament, we switch that to Sunday. And all of that is true on Sunday. I wish we had, if we had an hour, it'd be so fun to go through all the meanings of this. But Sunday is the new creation. It's the new first day of the week. With the resurrection of Christ, the world is made new. It's also the day that you were set free from sin. And you remember on a Sunday that you are no longer a slave. So important. So here's my point. I know you're like, when were you going to get to that? (laughs) Right now. Sunday, brothers and sisters, is the day when we tell the world that we do not belong to it. Don't kid yourself. The world will always ask for more of you, just like Pharaoh. Pharaoh wants every moment, every thought, everything the Jews possess. He owns them. And don't be naive. This world wants to own you. This is one of the million reasons people ask me, Father Brian, why do I have to go to Mass on Sunday? And I say, because I said so. See, it's Sunday. (laughs) No, it's a hard question to answer, but this is one of the reasons. It's because the world owns you. It wants to own your thoughts. It wants to own what you care about. It wants to own what you read and how you form your opinions. It wants everything. It wants you to be a consumer and someone who's a politic person, political person, on Sunday, we say no to the world, and we remind ourselves that we were made for something greater. And we belong to him. Plato says it this way. Now, Plato, right, not a Jew, not a Christian, he was a Greek philosopher. And Plato has this fascinating line And so the Greeks didn't have a weekly day off. But they did have festivals. They had celebrations where it was like a God's feast day. 
And Plato actually has something of the Judeo-Christian mindset on this. And he has this line that's kind of strange. He says, the gods gave men and women days of rest, and he means those feast days, so that their backs might no longer be arched, bent over. And there's a double meaning. The first meaning is that work gets so heavy, your, your back begins to feel the weight of it, and you're bent over. But Plato talks about this in so many of his writings, that the spiritual meaning of that is that what it means to be a human being is you are someone who is capable of looking at the heavens. To be a human being is to be someone who is capable of looking at the heavens. Brothers and sisters, if all your life is, if your life is consumed by worldly things, it's not that they're evil. You have to engage those things. All of us do. So do I. But if you never break out of that, if all you think about is what's in the news this week? What do I have to to do to get my bank account to grow? How do I advance at work? What do I have to buy today? Is my hair ever coming back? Whatever. (laughs) Those are all fine things. But you'll never live a fully human life unless you can gaze at the heavens. And what that means for Plato is a human being cares about three things. Truth, goodness, and beauty. And those things are mysterious. And we've all had those moments, haven't we? It's one of the hardest things on earth for me to describe because unless you've experienced it, I can't really share it with you, but I bet you have. You ever had those moments where something touched your soul? I remember as a kid, like here's one example. I was just a little boy, and I remember my my best friend Eric Schmidt and I just addicted to sports. That's all we did. We didn't count until weekends. We counted until summer when we could play basketball in our driveways for like three months straight. And I remember one summer night, Eric and I had been playing basketball all day on his driveway. And we grew up in the foothills here in Denver. And the sun set. And I remember like Eric missed a shot because he was terrible. Actually, he was way better than I was. But he missed a shot and the ball went over to the, the side of the yard. And there was the most beautiful sunset. And it's the honest thing, we were probably two 10 or 12-year-old boys. And we both froze and just stared at the sunset because it was so beautiful. You were made for more than anything in this world can give you. You were made for truth, goodness, and beauty. One more story. This one's probably, you're not going to relate to probably as much. But we'll try. When I was in seminary, you all know I get emotional. Blame my mother. Um, But when truth touches you, when I say truth, I don't mean facts. 
The facts are good, but that's not what I mean. When I say truth, I mean something bigger than you. I mean a mystery that's bigger than you, and it touches your heart and soul and mind. Right? You can tell someone, like, what, do, what temperature something melts at. That, that's a fact. It doesn't, you're, you're never like, oh, wow, you know, mercury liquidates at, like, this, this temperature. You're like, wow, that just touches my heart. No, that's a fact. I was reading one time in seminary, and I was, I was at a coffee shop, and uh, I was reading a book from Pope Benedict, and he quotes the early Christian scholar Origen. And Origen has a line where he says, no one can perceive, no one can see, no one can really get a mystery. And by the way, in Greek, the word mystery is the word for sacrament, mysterion. No one can see a mystery if they do not live it. No one can see or perceive a mystery if they do not live it. And I was in this coffee shop, and I just melted. And I don't know how to describe it except to tell you that I knew it was true. And it called me in that moment to say, Brian, you can't understand the sacrament of confession unless your life is a life turned towards God, a life of repentance. You can't understand Eucharist, which is the self-pouring out of the Son of God, unless your life is in some way poured out. You'll never understand it. It'll look like foolishness. And I knew it was true. I could feel it in the depths of my soul. Brothers and sisters, you're made for those sorts of things. You're different. Sunday, there's, I could go on, right now I'm in that moment where I'm like, let's just stay. Like, you know, don't go home, let's just talk about this. Uh, so beautiful. If you are going to be a Christian, your Sunday has to look different. Pharaoh wants everything. The media, the news, entertainment, consumerism, they make no mistake, they want your soul. And if you say yes to that, brothers and sisters, you'll never find authentic rest. Your soul will never come alive. You'll never fully be who God created you to be. So Sunday, today, is your life different? Traditionally, Christians don't shop on Sundays. And I know I don't have kids. I understand that some of you are like, Father Brian, I have to spend, if I don't go to Costco today, I'm going to be there for six hours tomorrow, right? I understand that. Can you make a step in that direction? Television. Here's my biggest recommendation to you. Now, there's a story that goes with this. Joseph Pieper, if you ever want a good book on all this, Joseph Pieper wrote a book called Leisure, the Basis of Culture, which is one of the most life-changing books I've ever read in my life. But Pieper tells a story about G.K. Chesterton, and it says G.K. Chesterton, at the end of his life, as an old man, Chesterton wrote in one of his journals that reflecting on his life, he had never seen anything in his life 
that was simply natural. That it seemed to him at the end of his life that everything, everything had God's grace shining through it. I'm convinced that can only happen. A person who sees that, who looks outside and who sees God's splendor everywhere, that only happens to someone who has gazed on God's goodness and creation. Biggest practical recommendation today, ban, the, ban all screens from your life on Sunday. Say no to them. If you're a family, take your kids on a hike on Sundays as a family. They'll learn to appreciate the beauty of creation, the goodness of God's splendor. Sunday belongs to God. If you observe that, brothers and sisters, if we live that, I promise you, you'll find a rest that's more than physical. It's a rest where your soul will come alive. And so Jesus, our lives so oftentimes belong to Pharaoh. Mine does. Jesus, and I have given myself to the world. But Lord, help me make space for you. Help me to say no to create that fence. Lord, may I worship you in my heart and my soul and my mind. And may your day of rest, the rest that you give today and every Sunday, Lord, Lord, may that Sunday rest remind me that I was created for heaven and that I am not a slave. 